Event Center, broadcasting from the Pods Moving and Storage Studios. It's the Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. We're hanging out today, doing the show live with 1,500 of our closest friends, a live studio audience, possibly the largest live studio audience we've ever had on the show. The phone number, if you want to participate from afar, is 888-825-5225. We'll be taking calls from across America. We'll also be taking questions from here in the auditorium. Rachel Cruz, number one best-selling author, co-host of the ever-popular Smart Money Happy Hour, and my daughter is with me this hour. Thank you, thank you so fun to be here. We should do this all the time. We should. There's a lot of energy doing this. So great. Y'all are awesome. The show, the show is more fun when we're not in a glass booth by ourselves. That's it. And uh, Dr. John Deloney, number one best-selling author, Ramsey Personality, also my co-host this hour. Again, the number is 888-825-5225. Evan is going to start us off from the floor this hour. Hi, Evan. How are you? Hi, uh, how are you? Better than I deserve. Where do you live? Uh, from Kansas City. Cool. Welcome yeah. to Nashville. Thank you. How can, how can we help today? Um, it's a huge honor to be here today. Um, so I grew up in a Ramsey household. Um, I, uh, save, I've been saving for retirement since I was uh, 18, and I have no debt. Um, so I just finished my first year of my uh, career job, Good. Uh, and I'm wanting to buy a house, and I'm not really sure how to do that when my income is currently as low as it is, because you know I've just kind of started. Um, so basically, I'm just wanting to know, like, what's the best way to save for a house while well, I'm starting a career? Because you know, it's not like. Um, what do you do? So I'm a production artist. Uh, so I uh, modify artwork to be printed on glass and apparel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so what do you like, make? Uh, Nineteen an hour. Okay. All right. Cool. Very good. Good for you. Yeah. So I would say, Evan, if I were in your shoes, I would just be okay renting. I mean, you're just starting out. So I'm assuming. I mean, how how old are you? Uh, I'm 25. 25. That's great. So yeah. I mean, at this point, when we look at large purchases, specifically even a home. I mean, math plays a huge role in that, right? And so, so what can you do to create less stress and more margin in your life? Well, going and buying a, a home right now that's out of your budget and out of your reach will cause less margin and probably a lot of stress. And so I think it's fine to slow step your way as your income starts to build to put more and more away. And it's okay to rent for a few years. I just feel like people renting is such a uh, negative feeling around, I feel like our culture, right? I mean, I just feel like if people are like, oh, you're renting, you're just throwing money away. Oh my gosh, you're just terrible. You're a sinner. You're like the worst. And, and renting is okay for a bit. And so honestly, I, w- I would be okay with it. It's have patience and have, that, have a goal that you look out and say, hey, in four, in four years, I want to have this much money saved. I want to be making this much in, in a job. And so have things that you're reaching for. But right at this moment, I would be okay just being patient. Good plan. Yeah, you said it. I'm just getting started. I make $19 an hour. Can't afford a house right now. And that, that's the reality that you're in. So what you do need to do, since home ownership and wealth building are part of your, uh, one of your goals or some of the things you're asking about, then you need to start seeing a way with your career how you are going to increase your income. 
And then that get because that's when you're going to be able to do some of those other things. So you don't want to have a projection say, okay, when I'm 45, I'm making 19.50 an hour. That's not a plan. Okay, so we got to have how are we going to double this? How are we going to triple this? How are we going to start our own business in this area? What what types? What other ways can I use this skill that pays a whole lot more? Uh, whatever it is, and it's not not to say be dissatisfied where you are today, but I'm saying for your future, we've got to say. Uh, my friend Henry Cloud says, when you identify your desired future, yours is build some wealth and own a house. Okay, what has to be true, Henry says, that's not true now? And in your case, we've described, you, we've got to get your income up. And that may be the maturation of your career track as you mature and walk through your career. That may be the natural way your income comes up. It may be that you go, I'm going to use these same skills and go over here and make three times more. But for now, you're fine, and just rent is patience today. But, um, you know, the, the culture we live, or the, the price ranges of homes and the interest rate environment we're in, $19 an hour is not a house buyer, usually, uh, as a single-income household. And Evan, not. the other encouraging thing is, too, that for you, you said, I've been saving for retirement since I was 18. And I was like, that's awesome. So honestly, when you get a little bit more traction under your feet career-wise and you see your income come up, you can pause investing, save up a down payment because you're not, you're going to be okay. Do you know what I mean? So even when that time comes to throw even more money to save up for a down payment, pause your investing when that time comes. Hey, Evan, can I use you since you're standing here in front of, I don't know, 1,500 of your closest friends, can I use you as a, as a, as a global issue in our culture? Is that cool? So, all right, what, what's he going to say? What's he going to say, No, thank you. Oh, well, I mean, it depends on what issue we're going to cover, John. <laughs> I, I remember being terrible at math as a kid, and I loved it when we had to do standardized testing in math because they put the answer, like, in, I knew it had to be one of A, B, C, or D, and I always hated it when it said E, like, none of the above, because then it took away, like, I couldn't just reverse engineer the answers all the way. We live in a culture that says, I want a house. I deserve a house, I should get a house. I want a car, I want a great marriage. I want kids that are respectful and that love me. But then we look back at the variables that are making up that equation. It's like, I don't make this, uh, this much money, and I, but I wanna be in this community, I wanna live in New York, and I wanna make $14 an hour, but I want to buy a nice house. I want a great marriage, I just don't wanna talk to my husband, and I want my wife to read my mind. I wanna have great kids, I just don't wanna tell them no, and just give them screens all the time, and ha ha, and then they're gonna be respectful. Like, we have to address the variables on the front end of this thing, and not the back end. We don't make enough money. We gotta start talking to our kids. We gotta get more engaged with our spouses. Whatever that looks like in the back end, the answer to this math problem will always solve itself if we take care of the variables up front. And we stop trying to focus on the answer and get on the, get on the front end of that. Good question, sir. Thank question. you for joining us. <laughs> Teachers, if you wanna know how important your job is, just ask anyone who their favorite teacher was. I can name about a bunch of them and they were all my favorites, uh, have the biggest impact on you, without a doubt. We have the Ramsey Teacher Appreciation Giveaway this month, sponsored by the Army National Guard. It's in celebration of April being Financial Literacy Month. So anyone that is a teacher, uh, if you're an in-classroom teacher, one teacher is going to win a $5,000 vacation to wherever they want to go, and two more teachers are going to win a $3,000 vacation of their choosing. And so you're going to pick, pick out where it is. We're going to write them a check for that. And it's, again, sponsored by the fine folks at the Army National Guard. All of us like saying thank you to teachers. If you know a teacher or you are a teacher, go to RamseySolutions.com slash teacher and enter. No purchase is necessary. Don't we all love teachers? Thank <laughs> you.
If you're a teacher out there, thank you, thank you, thank you for what you do and who you are. We really, really appreciate you. Dr. John Deloney, Rachel Cruz, Ramsey Personalities, my co-host this hour, here on The Ramsey Show. Hey guys, it's Rachel Cruz here to tell you about a faith-based alternative to health insurance that can make healthcare more affordable, Christian Healthcare Ministries. CHM allows members to share each other's healthcare costs, and it's as easy as one, two, three. Step one, choose the healthcare provider you want. Step two, submit your eligible bills. And step three, get reimbursed. CHM members take care of your eligible medical bills. With no network and the freedom to choose your healthcare provider, CHM is the best option for Christians who want to take care of their families and help other believers. Find out more at chministries.org slash budget. That's chministries.org slash budget. Way too much fun at the commercial breaks. This is The Ramsey Show. Thank you for joining us. We're live from the Ramsey Event Center with Dr. John Deloney and Rachel Cruz, Ramsey Personalities. Welcome to our 1,500 closest friends. Thank you for hanging out with us today, guys. Today's question of the day is brought to you by Neighborly, your hub for home services. Here at Ramsey, we believe in making home ownership a blessing, not a burden. So we recommend Neighborly's network of service professionals to repair, maintain, improve your home. Find the help you need at Neighborly.com. In all seriousness, people, this is a great company, and they have a great group of folks that they work with all across America. Check them out, Neighborly.com. Today's question of the day is actually coming from here inside the, op- uh, inside the auditorium. Dini is with us. Hi, Dini. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're honored to have you. Where do you live? Miami, Florida. Oh, fun. It's where Miss Jade is from, that area down there, oh, Fort Lauderdale nice. area. Yeah, cool. Our Fort Myers area, I'm sorry. How, how can we help? My question is about budget. I have a 13-year-old daughter and a 14-year-old daughter, and they hear me talk about budget a lot. A lot of times when I do, it's because I'm about to say no. And, um, you know, they think budget this, budget that. And I don't want it to be negative. I want it to be positive, but I think a lot about it being positive is to give them the knowledge of what I'm talking about, kind of the intricacies. And so what age do I show them the budget? Because when they see the budget, they see the income. And do I want to tell them how much money I make? How much money do you make? (laughs) (laughs) As they watch the show, they're like, oh. Um, Well, combined, we make three. 30-ish. Okay. You make a lot. Good. I'm glad for you. You want to jump in on this? <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you just made her explosive. Okay, so um, <laughs> I would say our household growing up. Do you need the secrets out so you can have a seat? Here I know. Go. Sorry, Dini. Well, it's like. So we grew up never knowing specific numbers. But our numbers from- are ridiculous. And, and we're in the spotlight. With as, as celebrities in the community, and we didn't want some teenager running around, you know, with that information. That wouldn't have been healthy. We're in an unusual situation in that regard. Sure, but I would also say if you make even the amount of money you, I mean, you—that's that's a, a lot, lot of money. So I'm like, yeah, she does. so so I can see the more caution. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, um, uh, we have some friends, and then they do well, and they have teenagers, and they they show them everything, and they actually have done this. Uh, routine a few months in a row because the mom was just so frustrated with like how just kind of like casual they were with about money. And she took their whole paycheck, 
cash it out and she had utilities here, cable. I mean, she went through their cell phone insurance for their car. I mean, she divided everything up on the kitchen table like three months in a row. Cause she was like, I wanted them to visually see what was going on. And I thought how powerful that was. So depending on how comfortable you feel sharing numbers, there is a part of me that kind of likes it and does kind of open up that. And just to say, I need you to really understand and see this. And then on the flip side, when you said budget ends up being kind of a negative, when you guys get, do get to do great things, I'm sure you do with your income. I'm like, you're, you guys are probably able to take some great vacations or whatever it is. Say, it's in the budget. Yay, we get to go shopping. It's in the budget. You know, like make it an exciting thing. So when you do say no, no, it's not in the budget, they still know that a budget isn't, doesn't mean no. Budget does not equal no. Budget means it equals we are in control, which means also we can spend on this side and enjoy, but also we have to have a boundary and a limit at some point and say no. So, so introducing both. So when something exciting happens with them and they go and buy something or you guys take a great vacation, just celebrate the budget with that too. We, we did... Uh disclosed when they were 12, 13, 14, 15, the household operational budget. It did not disclose our entire income, but so that they could see, okay, this is what the light bill costs. This is what the phone bill is. This is what the, uh, you know, the, the, whatever, the taxes, insurance, whatever it is. So they could see the basic stuff because what we're trying to do here is not control their current behavior with this lesson, we're trying to show them how this is done properly because as my, our friend Andy Andrews says, he said, we're not trying to raise great kids, we're trying to raise kids who become great adults. So we're trying to give you adult skills. And so when I'm talking to a 14 or 15 year old, I'm speaking to the 30 year old version of them. Uh, I want them to say, okay, the reason I'm showing you this is so that when you're 30, you're this, uh, you understand. And the reason, I'm sh the reason we're saying no is this. And it's not, uh, we never used the budget one time as a weapon. It's not the budget, we can't do it. Instead, we were saying, we've got these goals, this much money, we're choosing to do these other things with it, and so it means we're not doing this. Because that's, that, that is how a budget works, is we're actually choosing that. But what we're teaching them there is a critical thinking skill path that says, okay, choices have to be made. Because you're not in Congress, you have a limit on your money. And so you have to make choices. And so in order to say yes, you've got to say no. Now, so in extreme income situations, maybe you would use a, uh, an operational budget like we did. Uh, and, and if you've got smaller kids, we don't even get into that. But I mean, but no, that but with I, smaller but kids, it's about say, principles. Well, principles. And there is something to say about a dollar amount. Our eight-year-old, because they're, they're doing chores and earning a dollar or two here and there. And we went out to dinner after... Um, church on Saturday night, because we did Easter on Saturday night, anyways, and it was $70 to go out to dinner. And Winston said that to me in the car. He's like, yeah, it was 70 bucks. And we were like, okay. And my eight-year-old goes, oh, it was $70? Because to her, it felt like 700. How many chores would that take me to save $70? So I thought, I'm so glad that she heard that because it is a lot. I mean, like it, life is expensive. And so when they can grasp almost these dollar amounts, there is a tactical lesson where they kind of start to see and uncover. And Rachel looked, wow. she just looked back and said, don't worry, I'm re-wearing this shirt. So it's gonna be, <laughs> hey, here, here's one thing I've done differently with my daughter than my son. My son is 13 and my daughter's seven. Um, I over-disclosed to my son and tried to be super hip, transparent dad. With my seven-year-old, it's much more about she's got the, the 
toy that they, the, the, the bank that they sell in the Ramsey store. That's the one she uses and she's got save and give and spend. And one thing I was real bad about was in her spend money, I tried to also control that. And so I've taken my hands a little bit off. So if she wants to buy something dumb that I think's dumb, that's the money she's earned and it's not going to be there if she decides to spend it. And I wanted to learn this when she's seven, not have me curating what she's going to spend later. But she gets, when I say this isn't in the budget or we're not going to spend this much money on this thing, she doesn't need to know the dollar amount because she gets the principle, right? And that's been super helpful. And Danny, this doesn't come up in your situation, but it does come up. Uh, if your family is in a financial bad situation we don't talk to seven-year-olds about foreclosures yeah we don't you know that that we're to protect it's bad them from that and so what's the phrase you have scare but what is the share, share, don't share but don't share, share but yeah. don't scare and so you can share and say you know mom and dad are having a hard time right now or you know we're having to move but you don't have to go oh god it's coming in. you know because parent you you, you and dump your drama on your kid, it becomes trauma. Yes, to but them. I, I, to your point, it's really important to be honest with your kids because your kids are going to feel your tension. They're going to feel you weeping. They're going to feel all that and they're going to think it's their fault. They think, they're going to be seven and think, I, I'm doing this to mom and dad. Let them know things are really, really tough right now and mom and dad are scared and this is what we're going to do. And they get to see an adult be scared just like all of us and then act like an adult on the back end and not just scream yeah. and kick. And so uh, the moral of the story is in your situation, I, I would open it up at least operationally, whether it's income or not, as long as you can put around it uh, the idea that we're not going to uh, share our family's income outside this home. Okay. We're, uh, although I've just made you, but yeah, but the, uh, uh, <laughs> But the uh, uh, but I mean, I, the, I, mean I, don't, I didn't want our kids tromping through the neighborhood saying my dad makes this versus what your dad makes. You know that kind of crap, right? Would we so, do that though? A hundred percent, you would. <laughs> I was a really nice teenager. You were a really nice teenager, but uh, but and you know somewhere. The, along so, the just way. think about what that phrase means. A really nice teenager. Yeah, there you go. So hey, thank you, thank you. This is the Ramsey Show. Dr. John Deloney, Ramsey personality, number one best-selling author. Rachel Cruz, Ramsey personality, number one best-selling author multiple times. And my daughter is my co-host this hour as we're broadcasting live from the brand new Ramsey Event Center with 1,500 of our closest friends. If you don't know, we do this show every day, Monday through Friday from one to four. It's usually two of us at a time. Uh, we've done a little differently this week because of, uh, or this day, because of we're celebrating the opening of this event center. But you can join us anytime uh, outside. Our studios are on the glass down in the uh, Ramsey headquarters in the lobby. And there's always free cookies and free coffee uh, there. And as you guys have had when you came in today, we had cookies and coffee waiting on you when you came in today. And uh, so you can enjoy that same experience. And uh, we just, we love getting to meet the folks from all over America. They stop by on their way to a vacation or their way to whatever. They're in Nashville for something else, and they come down here to Franklin, just south of Nashville, and hang out with us. We appreciate all of you hanging out. We get to, we love getting to see you and talk to you and hear your stories, and uh, it keeps us going. It keeps us moving. It gives us the energy, uh, and uh, so uh, the, everything we do at Ramsey is for the people that are not at Ramsey. It's all for the people outside our walls, and you're it. You're why we built this building, so as an example. So thank you, thank you, 
Thank you. All right, Scott is on the line, or Scott is here on the floor, I'm sorry. Hey, Scott, how are you? Uh, doing fine. Thank you so much for having us in here. It's a beautiful, beautiful space. Thank you, sir. Where do you live? Uh, Spokane, Washington. Oh, I love Spokane. Awesome. Very cool. How can we help today? Well, I've got a, a two-part question on uh, transition and patience. Uh, wife and I are in baby step seven, mm-hmm. and we are finding it a little uh, challenging to transition from uh, intense to intentional. Yep. Um, so just looking for uh, a little bit of sage advice from y'all, uh, you know, how, how we can downshift. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, I think it's, it, number one, it's a normal thing to face that, because once you've been frugal, You've been very dialed in to let your foot off the gas and actually enjoy the ride a little bit is not a natural thing. Your, your body is wired. You've set yourself in motion. You've got this thing dialed in, and now you're saying, oh, we're going to do something different. And so um, Dr. John always says on other things, practice. Practice a new behavior. Practice a new feeling. And uh, so some of the things that Sharon and I did was we were very careful to make sure that we budgeted money to spend because we hadn't been spending anything. And so we said, okay, we're going to put money in this category and we're going to put money in this vacation fund. And then we're going to spend it on a vacation. And if there's a bunch of money in that vacation fund, we're going on someplace nice, you know? And uh, when you've been, you know, head down on the grindstone pushing, to stop and do that is an unnatural act. You have to force yourself to do it the first time or two, and then you get better. The second thing we did, and I still do this, to, it do, to make sure I'm not overdoing it or underdoing it, is we look at ratios. And ratios meaning uh, when I was broke, spending X on a car was ridiculous. Spending 10X that on a car now is not ridiculous. Because as a percentage of my world, it doesn't matter. So if you got a million dollars and you spend $10,000 on a car, it's nothing. But if you have $5 and you spend $10,000 on a car, it's a lot. So that's a ratio. And so, uh, and we often look and go, okay, if we do this and it's completely wrong or we forgot to put insurance on it and we lit it on fire, is it going to change our life? No then that's a small ratio. It's a small percentage of our net worth, a small percentage of our income. Then we can enjoy that. And it gives me permission to enjoy it, knowing that I'm not being irresponsible. If you grew up like me, I didn't grow up with very much. My wife didn't grow up with very much. Money was a, was a topic of, of, of war in our homes. And then we got older and we ran up six figures. In stu- so we did the whole thing, right? Dave said, practice. This is, I'm just going to give you a straight, vulnerable, cheesy answer from our very house. Uh, I travel a lot and I made the decision for me, I'm going to start parking right up next to the airport and it's a billion dollars. And every time I did it, I remember not having that money in my checking account for years. And it was a matter of ratios. You can afford this, John. It's okay. And the first time me and my wife were traveling, I pulled in and she said, what are you doing? And I said, this is where I park when I come to the airport. And she said, this is ridiculous once. And then she was like, oh, this is awesome, right? (laughs) And so, but literally, as Dave said, 
it's $35 a night to park there, something like that. For me, that my body still feels like I'm 12 and $35 was our light bill and we don't have it, right? So I have to say this, this sentence to myself. I wasn't okay then, I'm okay now. I wasn't okay then, I'm okay now. And then I've got to, I've got to go do the thing. And it's something little like that, but that, man, that's, 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 that's been a game changer for us. You know, it's interesting, Scott. I feel like we talk to a lot of people that are just like you. They have this question and they say, oh my God, even when they get into baby steps four, five, and six, like we've just been so intense. And I do wonder, I'd be curious what you guys think about this too. There is something to be said when you go through the baby steps, there is those seasons of sacrifice. And when you're so used to, you know, when, before the baby steps, you accumulate it, accumulate it. And for some people, you know, go into debt for stuff. And then it's like, oh my gosh, we got to get out of debt. So now we're going to sell stuff. We're going to work extra. We're not going to buy stuff. And you start to live life with quote unquote, less stuff. I do think that there is a level of contentment that starts to play into your soul where you realize, wow, we really don't need all that crap that we had. Yes. And you get to this point and you're like, some stuff I just don't care to have. Like, like, yeah, maybe I can afford a nice car, but I just don't really care to have it. Like I'm good with my, you know, 12 year old truck and that's good too. So there's a contentment piece. So I would ask the question, why do I not want to spend? Is it completely out of fear? Because that plays, I think into y'all, but I also think that there's something to be said of like, we just don't, we just me. don't want to, you know, buy a bunch of crap we don't need. And, and that's okay too. That's an okay answer. So I do want to give you permission as long as your motivation is we're kind of just content where we're at. We don't feel like we need more. That's okay too. And the last thing I would tell folks when you get to this point too is to um, out of that contentment and out of uh, the new season that you're in, you're living like no one else so that later you can live and give like no one else is um, Sharon and I have experienced that it has given us permission to enjoy the money if A, we're responsible with ratios it's a small amount of our life. It's not a big thing. It may be a big thing to somebody else, but as a percentage, you know, it's a small amount. Uh, and B, uh, we've increased our generosity. Something about increasing the building your generosity muscle bigger, more and more giving and more and more different kinds of giving, random stuff, just buy everybody's gas at the gas pumps that you're standing there for a minute or, you know, finding some single mom putting tires on her car, whatever. I mean, all kinds of random stuff plus systematic large giving as well. But you just work that giving muscle, then all of a sudden there's something that, I don't know how that's connected in our brains, but it gives us permission to be okay enjoying some stuff too. And, and so it plays out that way. And that, that's how I would get at it. So really good question, sir. I appreciate you bringing that up. Thank you for being here. God bless you. There is a thing of, if you're, I said this on Megan Kelly's show the other day, I said, yeah, Megan, it's like if you're going hundred miles an hour down the interstate and then you slow down to 55, it feels weird. She goes, well, I've never had that feeling. So what? You ought to drive faster, man. <laughs> but it feels like you're walking, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's a weird, it's a, you're, you're, everything slows down and changes, and that's that contentment thing, too. You know, one of the things I experienced on that, Rachel, that was, uh, personally, was uh, I, I love cars, always have. And I was buying cars in my, when I was a young, arrogant kid for other people to look at. And when I went broke, I no longer care what you think. So now I buy cars because I want them. Mm. 
if I buy a car now, it's because it's the car I wanted. I don't yeah, really and it's care. the motivation. I don't, I don't That's really care whether you like it or not. You know, it doesn't matter to me. Because some of them aren't great. I want, I want to <laughs> drive that. I like that car. You know, that kind of thing. It changes. But that changes the whole equation then when you practice through that. Yeah. This is The Ramsey Show. Our scripture of the day, Matthew 5, 14 and 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all those who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Desmond Tutu said, hope is being able to see that there is light despite all of the darkness. This is the Ramsey Show. Dr. John Deloney and Rachel Cruz, Ramsey personalities, are my co-host this hour. It's been a very special day as we have, for this particular three hours, been broadcasting for the very first time with our very first live event in the Ramsey Event Center, which is uh, it is owned by a uh, a Ramsey Trust, a family trust that is entitled Matthew Five, uh, a city set on a hill. And uh, this is on a hill, for those of you here. Uh, if you walk out front and you, at night you see this thing, there's plenty of lights. Uh, there's all kinds of, there's chandelier you can see for six miles away. Uh, this is a city set on a hill. This is put up here for the purpose of hope. And uh, so you guys being here today is the culmination of that 10-year uh, vision, that 10-year dream for that to happen. And we're honored to have had you guys today. Thank you so much for being here. In our studio audience here, Mark is with us. Hey, Mark, how are you? Fantastic, Dave, and congratulations on the event center. This is fantastic. Thank you so much. We're so honored to be here. Where do you live, sir? Uh, Fate, Texas. Uh, Dallas area? Yes, sir. All right, cool. Good, good to have you, sir. John's a good Texas guy as well, so thank you. How can we help today? So my question is, um, in your 20s, Dave, you became a millionaire, and then you eventually lost it and rebuilt, rebuilt your wealth. Take me and the audience back to the time that you had a conversation with Sharon and you decided your path forward was to share your plan with the millions of lives that you've changed and why you do what you do today. Hmm. Wow. Thank you. Wow, that's neat. Well, Rachel and John are certainly involved in that and they can chime in. Uh, uh, but the history lesson is, you're right, it, uh, 26 years old and some change. I had banks start calling notes on us. We were doing nothing down real estate before there was Chip and Joanna to tell you how. And um, we deeply in debt, lost everything uh, over the next two and a half years. So when I was 28 in September of that year, uh, I'm turned 28 September 3rd and shortly thereafter uh, we filed bankruptcy, filed chapter seven. Rachel was a brand new baby. She was born in April. We filed September. And uh, Denise was a toddler, and so with a toddler and a uh, brand new baby and a marriage hanging on by a thread, we've often said we got the opportunity to start over. Uh, the thing that the overlay on that was uh, when we first started making money in real estate before all that happened uh, was when I met God, when we started going to church and I met the Lord. And so I was studying scripture because I didn't know anything. I was dumber than a rock. And um, uh, so I was studying like crazy 
about any part of life, marriage, kids, money, anything, just trying to learn how to live and uh, learn what the truth of the Word of God says as a baby Christian, brand new. And, I, and again, I didn't know beans. Some of y'all grew up, you know, going to whatever, uh, going to Sunday school when you were two or whatever. I didn't know any of that stuff. So, uh, and then, uh, so I'm starting all of that, and then I go broke in the middle of that. So, you know, we've got on the wall down there, if you visit the uh, the, the uh, headquarters down there, I met God on the way up. I got to know him on the way down. And, and so walking through that process and then learning God's ways of handling money, I didn't set out to do that uh, for other people. I set out to do that because I was sick and tired of being broke. And, uh, and the, apparently the information I had from uh, uh, my broke finance professor that told me to go deeply in debt was wrong. So I needed some new guidance. And so I shifted and then she, we started living, Sharon and I started living on those uh, biblical principles and very, very, very gradually we started to turn and we started to have some hope again. We started to recover from the trauma and uh, recover from the uh, destroyed self-esteem, destroyed reputation, destroyed relationship and relationships and, and start to just start to put our lives back together a little bit at a time after this hurricane had hit us and um, that, we, that I signed up for. And, uh, and so then this weirdest thing happened. Uh, we, uh, pastor called one day and said, uh, hey, there's a couple in my office in foreclosure. Can you show them how to not, how to not get foreclosed on? I went, yeah, I used to buy foreclosures and then I was one. I know exactly what to do. So I uh, went over and met with them, and pastors usually don't know a lot about technical stuff like that. If they know something about money, they don't know anything about technical legal stuff. So I got in there, fixed their foreclosure, got them in a, uh, uh, you know, got them in a plan with their mortgage company and saved their house. And of course, the problem with doing something like that is that you do it right, you get to do it again. And so he started calling me pretty regular. So I ended up helping a whole bunch of people, and I started figuring out these principles apply to other people, not just me. But I didn't set out to do that. And we were I was back doing real estate deals to eat. And I think the last year I did real estate, I made 120000 And uh, we figured out if we quit doing real estate completely, I'd just gotten on the radio and they weren't paying me. They were letting me do it for free, which is about what I was worth. And um, uh, we were starting Financial Peace University and I was doing some speaking and I had the little blue Financial Peace book and we figured out the first year we could probably make 60000 if I quit doing real estate and only did Financial Peace. And we made 61000 the next year. And so we took a pay cut in half. And, uh, but we started realizing, okay, God's going to take our story and use it to help other people. God's going to take the knowledge that we gain from all that pain and use it to help other people. And it, it went into a career and then into a calling and then into a mission. And uh, if I wasn't doing, if I, if I took a pay cut from 120 to 60 to do it, I sure wasn't doing it for money. And I'm still not doing it for money. So I don't know, you guys have been on this walk with us in the last, uh, obviously you have your whole life. And then, you, you know, in this last little while, comments on that? Yeah, well, from just his perspective, you know, we always laugh because we're like, Dave is probably, dad, he's probably never really going to retire from what we're doing. So we always kind of joke, we're like, he's going to be 92 and he's going to be doing the radio show. And we're going to be like, yeah, great job, Dave. That was a great show today. And he's going to go home because we're like, he's going he's gonna to think that he's doing it forever, ever, amen. There's going to be a small little closet over there in the just Baker Street just plays on loop. And he's going to be like, all right. Uh, 
not doing it. So I'm saying, I'm four, saying four people listening. How dedicated he is, though. Like, I mean, really, like he he really that is that is so true. So, so true. So but I know for our positions, you know, it's uh, as Ramsey personalities, it's a different kind of a different uh, door we entered in to this message, all of us in different places in our stories. Uh, but yeah, being able to to walk in this message and walk out truly how it's affected each individual, us individually. And then what's so cool too now is that, you know, as Deloney's talking about mental health stuff, Ken's talking about career, it's these other parts and these other messages being able to give hope. And so as we stand on stages or sit in front of microphones that we're able to tell our stories and how this message has really helped us. And for me, it's, I'm that second generation. I am, you know, for so many people, they're working the plan and they have little kids at home. And I'm like, yeah, I was that little kid, you know, I will be your kids in the next 20, 30 years. And so uh, being able to be that voice of hope for people too has been a fun um, perspective that I've been able to hopefully bring. I've never said this publicly. I'm going to, I'll, I'll tell the story now. This is a personal, like in like just for me story, but um, it's important. I think in this time in our, in our history, um, I, I had resolved to not be on the internet. I didn't want to exist on the internet. I just wanted to show up behind closed doors and help people and go home. And I like being on stage and all that, but I, I, I didn't want any of this stuff. And I was finishing my counseling program, and I remember telling um, a, a woman who was one of my professors, a brilliant woman named Aretha Marbley, Dr. Marbley. And I, she says, what are you doing? Because I was the dean of students at the law school. I was getting another degree. And I said, I'm out. I want to go be a counselor in a small community and just disappear. And she looked at me and put her finger up close, and she said, you don't get to do that. you got to make this world better, and they'll listen to you. You don't get to hide. Go show people another way. And I just put that in my back pocket. And then one day, this guy called, and then everything's been different. Thank you guys so much for being here. That puts this hour in the books. We'll be back with you before you know it. In the meantime, remember, there's ultimately only one way to financial peace, and that's to walk daily with the Prince of Peace, Christ Jesus. getting started on the Ramsey Baby Steps? Go to RamseySolutions.com and click the Get Started button. We'll help you figure out the best next step for you based on your specific situation. That's RamseySolutions.com and click Get Started.